hide that girl for her tits. Well, then what are you worried about? Well, those tits are going to be watching her scream. Listen, we're on. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Come on, Jake. Look, how many years we worked together? Let's see. I met you on uh, Bloodbath, right? Yeah. And then we did Bloodbath 2. And then we did uh, Bad Day at Blood Beach. And then we did Bordello of Blood. And then, uh, well, that brings us up to date. Co-ed Frenzy. By the way, I didn't tell you this, but... Uh, I'd like to think this is our finest film. Welcome to Generation Laws, the show where me and Jeremy, I'm Bryn, uh, we talk about movies. <laughs> I feel like Nailed every. It. <laughs> Absolutely seamless intro well, to well, it's like, pile on top I of the say, other seamless intros. <laughs> do I say, me, do I say where me and Jeremy, I'm, when do I say that my name is Bryn? Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> it's a terrible intro that it's we terrible. do every time. I don't know why. Why not? Because there's no other premise to the show. <laughs> we talk about how movies are good. Sometimes. And sometimes and sometimes, bad. sometimes bad. <laughs> Find out this week on Generation Laws. Is are it movies good? good. <laughs> or are they bad? <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't know. Um, yeah, we, there's no answer. Right now, today, they are bad. Because... They don't really exist. Yeah, no. The, the, I thought you meant like what we're wa- what we watched today. Oh, made you think that no movies are okay. Movies are pretty good, I think. In what did in you current, <laughs> in, <laughs> what did in, you watch this week? Uh, so I watched two things I wanted to talk about. Okay, one that I already tip? one that I initially wanted to talk about. One that I wanted to talk about after watching what we watched this week. So okay. I watched um, the first one. I watched was the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, interesting. Which I'd never seen before. <laughs> um, and it's like a I, famous old movie. <laughs> I mean, not that old. It's like 1999 or something like that. The Matt Damon one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there is, an earlier there, one? A, I think it's a remake of, or like there's a book or something. There is a book, yes. Okay. It's not a remake. Um, is, I don't think it's a remake of a movie, no. I'm going to check while a, you talk about it. <laughs> the movie is um, Matt Damon and Jude Law and some woman Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> is it Gwyneth Paltrow yeah goop yeah goop no shit lady. okay also, so it's also Kate Banchett and Philip Seymour Hoffman are in it Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it yes I remember him mm-hmm. um but primarily it's Matt Damon it's mostly <laughs> Matt Damon for the for the bulk of the movie right and it's a story about a um a poor kid from New York who just is real good at lying and real good at right. like doing voices and doing little bits and whatever. And uh, he, he parlays that into an all-expenses-paid trip to Italy for like four years. Okay, and, like um, for college? No, he... Uh, so the story is that he's um, he's really good at doing impressions. He's really good at lying. And he meets this guy at a party. <laughs> and the guy is like, hey, uh, what's your what's what's your little deal? And he's like, I, I went to princeton and he's like do you know my son he's like like hell i know your son 
and he's like, cool, my son ran away to Italy. Can you go and like get him to move back here? And and Matt Damon's like, of course. Yeah, sure. And like the dad's like, I'll pay for you to go and do this. <laughs> and so he what? goes to Italy to like this find is like this guy's. Sort of, this is like a comedian's power fantasy. <laughs> it's what madness. am I good at? I'm yeah, good exactly. at doing <laughs> voices. I'm good at lying about so- shit that didn't happen to me last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like being well, so right. good at Governor doing the Island african the guy voice <laughs> that they have to send you to, to italy um but yeah. yeah so so he goes to italy to, to find jude law who plays the you know the son the long lost son and uh you know one thing leads to another and uh he ends up like staying there for a long time with him and and, and then he murders him uh, because he's also gay and and Jude Law is gay and they're in love with each other, but they can't say it because it's the fifties. Uh huh. Do they bone? No, they don't even no, no, kiss. No, they, ne- they never even kiss. Uh, they but they like hang out all the time, constantly, and they constantly right. talk about how much they love each other so fucking yeah, much. I fucking and like, love when you, it's like, you're my come boy. On. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like being like real boys <laughs> in the fifties. <50s. laughs> and. Um, but uh yeah the 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 jealousy uh just kind of mounts and eventually Matt Damon kills Jude Law mm-hmm. and he has to kind of like go on the run and he's like impersonating him for a while the, it's a very complex there's a lot of stuff that happens in the movie but what's cool about it is that basically when you really break it down at the end all it's about is a working class kid from New York who gets to go on an all expense paid trip to Italy for four years, murders several rich people, and then at the <laughs> end of it, nothing happens to him. <laughs> oh, cool. Like the end of it is like he has to kill somebody that he really loves and that kind of like fucks with him and whatever. And he like mm. realizes that he can't keep lying forever. But if he does, it's just going to keep hurting people. But then you're like, but it, the guy you loved was also like a rich guy. And you're like, <laughs> oh, who cares about him? <laughs> He didn't. Deserve, he probably deserved it. Yeah, <laughs> well, a very cool movie overall, I would say. <laughs> How's the look? Because like what I remember of the trailer is that it looks very flat and boring. It's yeah, sort I'd of say like, visually, it leans very heavily on Italy. Like mm. it, the, the, there's nothing particularly interesting about the way it's shot. I don't think there's anything particularly cool going on. It's not like colorful in any cool way it's there's no good framing there's nothing really happening but <laughs> okay it, it benefits v- greatly from the fact that it takes place in like the most beautiful country in the world right it just looks sick <laughs> yeah everything looks incredible <laughs> because it's a, a beautiful place that sounds um, good and, it, and it's like geographically all over italy so you know they're like down in the south on like a beach for part of it and then they're in the north in like a fishing village for part of it they're in rome for part of it they're in venice mm-hmm. for part of it. you see a lot of the boot and uh <laughs> yeah it's it's beautiful it's a beautiful have place you ever been? yes you have uh-huh that's cool was yeah, it fun? it's mm, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're really I mean, talking the, it up right yeah, now. You know, it's the most beautiful place in the world, obviously. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, it doesn't have to hang out with my grandma. Yeah, family. <laughs> Fuck them. Um, but uh, performances very good. Mm. Jude Law, fantastic in this. I um, love Jude Law. He's I always feel, really Philip Seymour Hoffman was like okay. He's doing like a really like I mean it's like a very accurate waspy voice, but it's just like really annoying. So <laughs> by the end of it, you're like, shut the fuck up, man. 
Um, but Jude Law is like this very like excitable jazz fan, gay guy from the fifties. Um, he's just stoked on everything and he's great (laughs) and like it's infectious and you're like stoked on the shit that he's into why did he leave oh because he hates his dad and his dad sucks and and america sucks and italy is cool and he's got like a he's got like you know gwyneth paltrow's his wife or girlfriend who uh you know expects him to be is what yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and he's like i'll never get married i'm just gonna go on adventures forever (laughs) yeah i'm just gonna be one of those bachelors bachelors are so cool (laughs) they're so cool (laughs) they never have to hang out with anybody but other boys They just playing to... jazz and row. <laughs> yeah, smoking weed. Yeah, having cats, not um, being gay. <laughs> but it's like heavily implied that like him and Philip Seymour often had like a relationship together in college. There's like a lot of these like like all of his friends are gay, and like at the end of it, Matt Damon is like in a relationship with another one of his friends who is just like Aww. surprise, I'm gay and I live in Venice. Why don't you come live with me? Like it's it's very interesting. How mm. nobody is gay, but everybody is gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fifties were wild for being gay. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Poor <laughs> um, guys and ladies, I guess. But so that was the movie that I was going to initially talk about. But the movie that I want to talk about now because it reminded me a lot of Blowout in in a lot of weird ways is I also rewatched Itania this week. What? <laughs> Have you seen Itania? <laughs> that is not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I haven't seen Itania, but I've heard very good. I've heard very good things. It's a um, phenomenal movie. Right. It's That's really, really heard. great. It's it's like so fucking funny. But and what like, I'm you conf- don't want it to be funny because <laughs> <laughs> it's about like a woman getting domestic abused for years and then, Ugh. you know, a, a plot to hurt another woman. And it's like terrible subject matter. But like the characters are so funny. And so the reason I was confused is because why does this remind you of Blowout? I guess mm. maybe not no spoilers for blowouts we haven't gotten there, but yeah, we'll get to it. But um, I Tanya is obviously about Tanya Harding and um, you know her career as a figure skater leading up to her attack or her her husband's attack on Nancy Kerrigan. Anyway, what reminded me of it is there's a character in I Tanya who is um, what's the husband's name is. Um, in I, Tanya? I don't know. In I real life. It. It, 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 <laughs> I honestly like, didn't really know this story at all. Like, until... Like, I remember it happening. And I remember, like, the Olympics. Uh-huh. Like, oh, she got her leg broken. I was like, that's weird. It's weird that she just broke her leg. And then people were like, yeah, oh, somebody just, like, else did it. You're like, all right. <laughs> but I also, like, <laughs> wasn't sucks. watching the Olympics. I was a child. I, like, didn't remember anyone's name. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know. I think we've so talked Tanya, about this before too. That the um, at the Salt Lake City Olympics, when they when there was the pipe bomb, and similarly after that it happened, I just kind of moved on from it and was like, "Well, I guess that happened, and yeah. I'll never follow up on that." <laughs> you mean <laughs> the, like the whole Richard thing. Jewell thing? Yeah. Yes. Um, and with I ta- like with the Tanya Harding story, I feel like the same thing happened. Where it's like, "Damn, Nancy Kerrigan got cracked in the leg with a fucking pipe," and then I was like, "Well." Never look into what happened. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Uh, but yeah, I guess his that name just is, happens uh, sometimes. <laughs> Jeff Galuli. Galul- oh, Jeff Galuli, yeah. Yeah. So in the movie and, and in real life, he has this friend who's like involved in the caper with him. Okay. And he's this just like weird, weird man who 
is just constantly lying about who he is and and what his background is. Okay. In the most like delusionally fun way where like <laughs> you know he'll be like meeting Jeff in a bar eating wings and he's like just this like fat mess of a man eating wings <laughs> and 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 Jeff will be like so you're going to be able to like find a guy who can like send threatening letters to Nancy Kerrigan and he's like Jeff I have a background in uh, in in counterintelligence uh, at a international <laughs> level, and they like eat a wing and be like, "Of course, I can find a man." <laughs> he, but he's lying. Was, but he's lying. Yeah, he, he has no he has no connections at all. But what made me think <laughs> of it is um, what's his name's character and the, the 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 killer, the hitman, uh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah, John yeah. Lithgow's character in this reminded me a lot of him, and mm-hmm. the way that like when they talk to him at that one point uh, and they're like, what happened? You were just supposed to take pictures. And he's like, the, the plan changed. I had yeah. <laughs> uh, tactically ascertained that the better plan was to murder. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking Why? about? And he's like, don't worry about it. I'm doing Liberty bells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to throw them off the trail. Don't worry about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So, so the the movie I Tanya is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's fantastic. It's really great. It's uh it's very funny. I don't know anybody in it except for uh the woman who plays Tanya Harding is also in um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She plays Sharon Tate. Oh, she's that 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 lady. Yeah, and otherwise mm-hmm. I don't really know anybody in it, but they're all just like stellar. <laughs> I wonder Everybody's how. Really good. The 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 fat guy with the you know with the counterintelligence background or whatever, by the end of the movie, like he's become so funny and so weird and so specific that you're like, well, there's absolutely no way that this is what the guy is like. Like this <laughs> has to be an exaggeration for the sake of this movie. And mm-hmm. what is otherwise like, it's not a very biographical movie necessarily. It takes a lot of liberties and it's like very you know it has a lot of fun with it. But by the end of the movie, they they play over the credits tape of this guy just so you can, as an audience member, be like, oh, my God, no, that is actually what this guy was like. <laughs> and there's like an interview on like 60 Minutes or something where he's just he's like, yeah, I um, I was commissioned by the CIA to do work in Iraq, uh, disappearing targets. And then the interviewer will be like. No, you weren't. And he's that like, didn't happen. but I was. <laughs> he's like, but that didn't happen. It did. <laughs> yeah, I kind of remember that specifically at, mm-hmm. at the time. Like, I don't really know anything about the story, but I do remember. I do remember people being like, actually, it's more crazy than that because it's the, a CIA guy was involved or something. Like, there was conspiracy right, yeah. theories around the time, and I just like was too young to even know anything or care about it at all yeah um but i guess that was probably just that guy being crazy (laughs) he's just a nut and he's (laughs) so funny (laughs) because he's like um he's like that genre of guy who will be like at a buffalo wild wings just like watching the ufc fight just like dude if they let me like have my knife are you fucking kidding me (laughs) he's that genre of guy but in like a smaller town and like dude you don't need anything but a bolt action rifle oh you can just go to any i would just take over the town if i'd had that yeah 
the kind of guy like, who, dude, who will sit there like, about? dude, if I had an automatic weapon and you sent me back to the Revolutionary War, my God. <laughs> I would just win the war by myself. I'd win the war by myself. I'd be Batman, man. <laughs> um, uh, there should be more movies about those kinds of people there's like specific kinds of people in life that you meet that are just like i want to watch this guy all day or like yeah. this person is insane this is an insane person and there's just like never any good there you never see those characters in 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 it's film i feel kinda like what's it. great about um un- uncut gems is yes. it felt like that was kind of what that movie was about. It's like everybody in that movie was that character. <laughs> like literally oh. every character was some different spin-off of like this is the only person who's like this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it seems like you meet so many people like that. Like I feel like we're definitely, you know, everybody's in their bubble or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like there's definitely people who are just like constantly riddled with anxiety and like lying and doing mm-hmm. all kinds of shit uh to get by or whatever. And you never see movies about those people. You always see movies about like some sort of platonic form of middle class person who is like has a set of morals. Uh, yeah it's very like, rare that a movie is about somebody who just straight up lies about everything yeah but i mean that's why i like uh, american beauty a lot mm-hmm. um even still because i feel like if you walk away from that movie thinking that kevin spacey is supposed to be someone you sympathize with you watched a different movie than i did <laughs> right but like he this is a guy who's just like so narcissistic that he just like can't handle like having a family or whatever he's just like a weird maybe gay middle middle age crisis guy who just hates everyone around him and wants to fuck right. teenagers and it's like this guy definitely exists and i've met him so many times and i mm-hmm. hate him and i like watching him just like berate everyone around him <laughs> damn this is gonna be a spacey heavy episode because i also want to talk about house of cards when we get to the movie <laughs> okay but yeah kevin spacey what a no what a terrible guy and what a fantastic talent. An incredible actor. <laughs> I love Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I know. He's such a talented man. <laughs> I know, it sucks so bad. Yeah. Um anyway, what you, it, oh, sorry, oh, actually, go on. I'm I'm gonna tell you something about Kevin Spacey off mic <laughs> about real life. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh you but don't what get did, to hear what, about it. Yeah, what what did you watch this week? <laughs> uh so I watched I guess also two things I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm, one of them I can't remember if we actually mentioned before, uh, but I don't think so. Um, but two movies that, for whatever reason, this whole pandemic thing has made me watching the absolute dumbest shit. And I've talked about this on the show already. I've been watching a lot of the uh, Clerks movies. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, did you watched, watch the reboot finally? I, I watched the reboot finally. It's on Amazon. I'm probably going to watch it later. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. So now I have seen every View Askew movie. That okay. was the last one I haven't seen. And boy, <laughs> <laughs> does it really take a nosedive on this one. Oh, no. Uh, I was so disappointed. <laughs> because here's the thing is that Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think I talked about Strike Back a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Um, hilarious movie. 
holds up incredibly um, because it's so stupid. Like it has no interest in, in then just making very silly base level puns about clits and dicks and, you know, weed and shit. And that's all it is. Um, And it has no interest in being anything else. But this movie, Kevin Smith almost died from a heart attack. And now he's thin so his face looks weird now. Like he, yeah, he like, he's like vegan and, um, and he's like constantly like like, with exercise. Yeah, he's like constantly like going like this, like smiling too big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wonder if it's like his. He just always was doing that, but because he was kind of fatter, it didn't look strange. But now he like looks strange. No, because um, he's that like big smile face has like serious new lease on life energy. Yes, that's you know the it's big got that problem. sort of like weird. <laughs> Like, I'm so happy for Kevin Smith. Like, I I want him to be happy and I don't want him to die because I think he's a seems like a really good dude. But like you are funny because you're kind of cynical and like had a real interesting take on like, you know, the sort of existential problem of like working in retail (laughs) like that was the beginning of his career so like i don't really want to hear you be really happy it's like it's like when um robert smith of the cure like stopped drinking and everyone got mad Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is like fuck friday i'm in love i don't want this (laughs) it's like (laughs) Like the biggest song (laughs) yeah but i mean all of their punk fans you know the goth fans were like Mm -hmm. what is this bullshit um but i guess also, no, not. But the problem with Kevin Smith is the only people who cared about him were his fans, a small group of like core of people who were like, "You're funny. I like all of your friends, and I yeah, want to see and, you just and get who together." Are by now, a, a, a rapidly depleting resource, right? Exactly. He's so far removed now from his best films, and even the people who were like gonna be the homers for like his shitty later films are are he's far ruined from them too (laughs) like he hasn't made a movie in a little while (laughs) yeah and he keeps like trying things because like i feel like tusk did weirdly well even though like it was critically pretty panned Mm -hmm. but like it also became kind of a cult classic that seems like people like um but he's real hit or miss with anything that's not view askew for me at least yeah um and people really hated yoga hosers, which I haven't seen. But this movie just um, sounds terrible, <laughs> just from the title. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what it's about. Uh, but this movie relies very, very, very heavily on Jay. And the problem mm-hmm. is, is that it's a movie about Jay finding out that he has a kid, and then being a movie about him going on the same road trip that he did in the first movie, Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back, mm-hmm. with his kid, and then, like, sort of their relationship, like, becoming a thing. The problem is it's written so lazily and, like, so um, precious. It's so precious. Like, it's like he thinks the concept of, like, talking about fatherly love is, like, immediately like tears are going to start flowing from the audience Mm. and it's just like right in the middle of like trying to recapture what stupid magic he caught with the first movie then he just like drops this like incredibly heavy like emotional scene and it's like fortunately his daughter is decent at acting and so she's like his daughter is is the is the daughter Oh great! And then, well, I mean, I, I I guess I appreciate that that like he's 
keeping it to the Kevin Smith shtick, like he's gonna. Yeah, that's fine by he's me. He's gonna cast his friends. He's gonna cast his family. That's just who's gonna right. be in his movies. She's actually the best thing about the movie, to be honest. Like, okay, she's pretty good at it. Affleck comes back, and like, uh, he's he's not as good because like he just has this like speech about fatherhood to Jay, and it's like even he who's can't, he playing in this one? Brody. He's playing. He's playing Holden from Chasing Amy. Okay. And he has a kid too. And so it's all about being a dad. Brody is, uh, is what's his Jason name? Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Who is also in it. He still, he still owns his, uh, his secret stash in the mall. Okay. Um, but he looks so old, dude. Like it's almost just a little too sad. Cause it's like, it doesn't really acknowledge the getting old part enough right. for you to be like, why are you still acting like this? Like <laughs> you have to like get me there. And right. like, but well, that's like, what Clerks 2 kind of touched. I guess maybe if you're Kevin Smith, you're kind of like, well, I did that in Clerks 2. I don't need to do that again. Right. But it's but you so... kind of do because it's like... Brody, it's, like Jason Lee didn't a, look just, so old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that he made him shave his beard to be Brody instead of Banky. So he mm-hmm. looks like... He's, he's not my name is Earl Brody. He's like clean shaven and looks ancient. Like he looks like he's 60 years old. Jesus. And it's like... It's just I mean, he's gotta weird. be like in his fifties by now, because he was a yeah. he, he was like a pro skater in the early eighties. <laughs> yeah. So. He is old. And that's fine. It's it doesn't bother me that they're old. It's just that for whatever reason the writing just feels so stale. And so mm. it, you know the thing is is that the idea of the movie is that they're going back to reboot things and it's like making fun of the concept of like soft reboots. Because right. it's literally just the same movie again. Because it's like they're rebooting Blunt Man and Chronic and Jay and Silent Bob are mad about it. So they're going back to Hollywood to stop the movie again. Uh-huh. And that's like the Who's whole playing g- Blunt Man Chronic in this one. Uh, they like recast uh, Jay Blunt Man as a, as a girl. So it's some, <laughs> so it's some lady. Uh, and then uh, Chronic is Val Kilmer for some reason. <laughs> that's very fun. Uh, <laughs> Do they change Blunt Man to be like Blunt Woman, or is it still Blunt Man? I think she's still Blunt woman. Man, but she's a woman. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good uh, hit. <laughs> it's no, there's the, the, that's what's so unfortunate about it is that there's good stuff in the movie. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels like oh, I see what you're doing here, but like there's so much fucking meta commentary and weaking to the camera that the problem is, is that he really is just doing that sort of like fan servicey reboot stuff right in his own movie. And it's like, no, but you're supposed to be making fun of that. Not just doing it. Yeah. But the problem is that he's always <laughs> done that. That's his whole career That's his whole thing. So you can't make fun of it. So it just feels weird. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it was, I can't, I can't say I hated it. And I knew I wouldn't like hate it because it's, I knew it's just like going to be a documentary about like this guy whose career I've followed since he was a teenager. Um, just doing a thing, you know, just getting together with his pals. And, but there was some pretty fucking cringy parts. And I don't even like, I think dogma is, is fun and good all the way through. There's mm-hmm. no part, like, even when the acting is bad, it doesn't make me cringe. It's sort of just like, okay. No, I love it's, Dogma. I I think we've talked about this. That I think it's his best movie. Right. I think Chasing Amy is his best movie, and uh, it's funny. It's funny because that's one of his least funny movies. And I Chasing think he Amy, does. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's also I think his his most interesting, and when when it is funny, it's really funny. Um, I just think it it does it does the serious Kevin Smith and the funny Kevin Smith the best. Um, so I personally like it the most, but he just has stopped being able to do nuanced takes. He's now just like, man, fatherhood is the most important thing in the world, it man. It is so it's cool. So, it's why even live for anything else? And it's like, how you, you can't just do this completely unironically. Like, uh-huh. it, it's so annoying. He I don't loves know. his daughter so know, fucking much. She's eight. She's like 19. It's like, get over yeah. it. It's been almost two <laughs> decades. <laughs> she's but an adult like, now. <laughs> Yeah, but there's like references to like stupid shit that happened in his life, like he got kicked off of the flight, mm. uh, which feels like a decade ago. It might have been now. It probably is, um, yeah. And like it, they mentioned that they mentioned that like he apparently said some shit on his podcast about Ben Affleck's personal life, and they like had a falling out. And then mm. he's in this movie, and they reference that, and it's like I don't know what you're talking about. I had to like look it up. <laughs> So it's like there's well, stuff but like this that. Well, this is like, like real insider shit now because I, know. I don't even think this got a theatrical release, right? Because like, it's like it just went straight to Amazon, <laughs> right? And he, uh, it's it's like he's funding everything with his like podcast empire now. So he expects like his fans to be listening to like all of his life, and I'm definitely not listening to his podcast. <laughs> sure, but I bet there's a lot of people. I mean, he's got a podcast empire, so presumably there's a lot of people listening to it. So I'd guess that those people are, I mean, I get at this point, it's just like, he's just playing to a very specific audience. And if you're not in that audience, then like tough shit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's fine. Like, I, I still think that Kevin Smith has like, I think more movies should be like that where it's like, you know, there should just be like very specific customized film you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it should be not that hard for people to make movies they want to make movies like if you have a a hundred thousand fans and they pay you five bucks each make a movie like it shouldn't be that big of a deal and so it is really inspiring and cool to see kevin smith just being like i don't give a shit (laughs) like i'm gonna reference some shit i said on my podcast yeah why why not (laughs) who cares so i don't know it's it's not a great movie. I mm. couldn't ever recommend it to anyone unless you <laughs> love, unless you loved Clerks Two. And if you didn't love Clerks Two, you're going to hate this movie. <laughs> I love. What if you Clerks, kind of liked Clerks Two? <laughs> you're gonna be like, yeesh, this is pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> Good lord. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Tell me cuz I really like Clerks too. I don't love it, but I think it is a, I really like it. And so I was yeah. like, "Whew. Okay." What do you think about <laughs> I my biggest problem with Clerks 2, I think, uh-huh. is casting Rosario Dawson. Really? Yeah, I think she is such a poor fit. Because she, at that point, was a real actor who was, yeah. like, really out there doing big movies and shit. And, like, this was... It, it didn't feel like a genuine casting choice. It felt like it was an attempt to be, like, b- like this mm-hmm. is a real movie. Like, we're we're really doing this. <laughs> so, the thing I... The <laughs> I kind of about... feel like if it was just, like, some friend of his or whatever, it would have been better. So, the thing about that is I know that Rosario Dawson is a big comic book fan mm-hmm. um 
she I met her um at a comic book convention that I was working at um and talked to her for a little while and she's she's very much into that kind of thing and it so it kind of makes sense that he would like know her or, like have somebody who knew her right so like I I can imagine that it was like oh my friend I'm going to cast my friend yeah but it was definitely like we need a name we and, need like, a name my, my friend and it's is also a name. like just in 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 universe one of the things that's so refreshing about Kevin Smith movies is that like everybody is very regular looking. <laughs> oh yeah, that's like true. you're in a universe where like Matt Damon and Jason Lee are the hot guys. Right. <laughs> you know, Matt Damon and, and like, Ben Affleck are like the angels. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you cast Rosaria Dawson, it it's just like she's too impossibly good looking for that right. universe. She doesn't make sense there. She works right. at the movies. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, whatever, whatever. I mean, I should watch it again. I think I've watched it within the past like year or two, and it like did the there's somehow chemistry between her and Dante, <laughs> and that is magic mm-hmm. to me. Like, I, it doesn't me- make any sense, but like the fact that they <laughs> seems like friends, and like she is way too uh, attractive, but. I don't know. I, she's. I, I can't really imagine anyone else as her now. Like having seen the movie, like right. she's just Becky, and that's who she is. And <laughs> I like that she's in it. I think the mistake though is is that they're never going to get her again. Like, yeah, <laughs> like no, you, you can't get her. You back can't for make another Jason movie. Where it's like, oh yeah, now they're just been married for fifteen years, <laughs> and she's just like a part of the show. Like what? <laughs> yeah, she will never feel like a part of the, of of the like of the universe the way that like randall and dante and jay and silent bob yeah it's already like there's already like a a very noticeable sensation when watching the later movies when like ben affleck comes back and you're like hey ben affleck came back you're fucking (laughs) batman man yeah they must be really good friends yeah Uh, you don't need to do this in this movie um chris uh Whoever plays Thor, Chris Evans, not Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth is in this movie. Okay. Um, and it's just so weird because they like, he's like, they even reference, he's like, I, there's no reason for me to be in this movie. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> so there's like f- kind of funny, like self deprecating shit like that. Uh, the other movie I watched was uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America, which Hell is yes, a dude. classic I film. I love that movie so um, much. <laughs> I have seen it now probably 10 times and I think it is like definitely my top five, top 10 comedies of all time. Yeah. It is never not funny. It's, I, I'm not a huge fan of the show. I think no. it's like hit or miss, but that movie fucking rips. Well, it's really it's the, so it's funny. the peak of the form. It's like yeah. they, they'd been doing Beavis and Butthead for a while by the time they got the movie and the, the show wasn't that good i don't think any of their sketches on the show are particularly great i've watched so much of it over the years trying to get anywhere (laughs) close to the magic of the movie but the movie is just so special and it like it just has so many things hitting exactly right at the same time and it's like much more familiar to like king of the hill than it is to beavis and butthead it's like Mm. much more like his later work than his early work right and i just i've I didn't watch it growing up. I didn't see the movie in theaters. Like I, mm-hmm. Beavis and Butthead, I was a little too young and I wasn't allowed. Oh, um, I was opening night. 
Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my my parents were were very divorced. <laughs> <laughs> so Extremely my dad had divorced. to win. <laughs> oh, you're seeing the movie. What is it? PG thirteen? Hell yes. Yeah, I don't I had care a if Beavis you're and Butthead coloring book. Oh man. No, I always thought that they were cool. Like the cool yeah. kids I knew were allowed to watch it. Um, I think I could. I probably would have liked it, but. I don't know. I just never watched it. Um, but I saw this. I saw the movie later in life, like in my twenties, mm-hmm. and um, it just blew my mind how funny it was. I can't believe how funny it is. Yeah, because because the whole idea of of Spivas and Buttheads is that it's dumb and they're dumb and that's it. But like the writing is so fucking clever somehow. Like, yeah, and just like finding specific ways in which they're dumb and like what they think is. St- stupid it's it's like this sort you know of like it is? It's, classic um, vaudevillian comedy <laughs> yeah it's um it's the first one that they like freely place beavis and butthead into the world at large like right. they exist in their community on the show as far as i remember but like they don't really place them in society overall so there's not as much opportunity for other people to interact with them and to see what happens when people interact with them like right. you see them interact with the next door neighbor, you know, you see them interact with the principal, the teacher, whatever, but you never see them just out in the world with like the old lady on the bus, for example. Yeah, which is all the funniest stuff. Yeah. When she calls him like Bobhead. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> but um but what it reminds me a lot of um Can you do is... that with my seatbelt again? <laughs> <laughs> the um the the Simpsons episode, um, Homer's Enemy, which is the one okay. with uh Frank Grimes. I don't know if you're a big Simpsons oh, fan. Oh, no. But I've so, heard about this one. Yeah, so there's an episode of The Simpsons with a character named Frank Grimes. And the bit is that Frank Grimes is just like a really hardworking, straight-as-narrow guy who's had to like work really hard for everything that he has. And, and even with all that, his life just fucking sucks. And right. like, there's a line where he's like, he's at Homer's house, and he's like, you live in a two-story suburban home two cars in the driveway two and a half kids you're just (laughs) eating lobster for dinner and i live in a one bedroom apartment above a bowling alley and below another bowling alley (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but so the whole point of that episode though is that it's like this guy who's like much more in line with what the average american's life is like (laughs) right having to actually interact with like this surreal interpretation of homer simpson right and I feel like that's kind of what Beavis and Butthead Do America is like, is it's the first, it, it, what makes it work so well is that they really zoom out the lens a lot and like let them play in, in a much bigger sandbox than they normally do. I mean, obviously it's America, but like, right. you know, having them because interact he, with other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's, they're generally only interacting with idiots. Like mm-hmm. all of their teachers are like insane yeah, Idiots? and they're cartoon characters. Right. And that's and then, really what it is. It's it's putting a cartoon in in with not cartoons. Like the old lady isn't really a cartoon. <laughs> well, it's also way more political than like th- th- like because like the Hank Hill character, uh, the neighbor or whatever, Tom, mm-hmm. who is like clearly Hank Hill, um in the show he's just like a guy. 
who's just like annoyed yeah. and he just goes god dang it but in this movie he like has this weird like patriot like patriotism and he loves mm-hmm. america and then he like he's like I, I i'm a veteran of four foreign wars and like and then he just gets like fucking ravaged by like gestapo yeah. <laughs> where like they don't care about his freedom like he's just like a big patriot who just yeah. like gets fucking ruined by cops <laughs> <laughs> and like it's they make so such funny. a note of how the cops aren't really trying very hard at anything that they're doing. They're much more interested in doing the cavity search than they're yeah, interested yeah. in anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like that kind of stuff is like not in it's not in the show. Like they're not making they're not no, making any the show sort is of all commentary. Like little seven minute sketches that right. are just like quick and then done and then you move on. And then, you know, sometimes the show will land on, like, I, the episode where they have sex ed, I always mm-hmm. found really funny, where he's just like, we will not be saying penis or vagina, and they're just, like, trying not to laugh. <laughs> 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 like, that's just really funny to me. But, yeah. like, it's not, there's nothing super clever, it's just, like, they're dumb. Um, but this show somehow, this movie, I don't know. It, it, it's incredible it's how consistently it it changes it, it keeps surprising you with how dumb it is it's a real classic and when you put it up against like the other big animated sitcom movies right so it's like beavis and butthead do america south park bigger longer and uncut and the simpsons movie right it is streets ahead of both of those oh yeah simpsons movie sucks the simpsons movie sucks (laughs) ass and and the south park movie is fantastic but even for that like yeah beavis and butthead is so far ahead of it (laughs) yeah because because south park takes itself too seriously in the movie because it's like we're a movie we've got to do some cool stuff and like the beavis and butthead movie is like uh i guess there's a dream sequence that's weird but besides that we're just gonna (laughs) Like, <laughs> and just in case out. you think that the dream sequence is like too arty, it's going to end with two, uh, what do they call it? Vultures. Two vultures fucking in the desert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. It's yeah. very funny. Uh, but movie. that's what I was wa- That's what I was hoping for, because I think Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is sort of nearing that funny, like nearing that level of just like, it's almost the same movie. Two complete mm-hmm. morons go on a road trip to do something and the whole point is they do dumb shit and it's very funny yeah um and they're both pretty funny in their own way i don't think strike back is quite as special just because it's not a not a cartoon and like it's not quite as perfect but it is very funny so i'm hoping the reboot would be that and it it isn't at all well and they come from different contexts you know where like Beavis and Butthead doesn't have that like wink at the camera sort of tendency to be like, this is a joke from a previous thing. You right. know, it's it's much more like, it, it, I don't know, it comes from a weird place because like Beavis and Butthead had been such a like pariah for like cultural conservatives throughout <laughs> the 90s. Like yeah. them and, and The Simpsons had been kind of this like, you know, th- this uh, like whipping boy for like cultural degradation happening in the West you know, the family unit yeah. is being destroyed. Our teenagers are idiots, you know, and and for mm-hmm. them to make that movie and, and do it very straight faced, like, that's kind of what's <laughs> so great about it is that it's like, it's so unlike the show and it is very straight faced and it does like treat itself like it's a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's so bizarre. 
and, and it's so bizarre to look back on it now and be like, who gives a shit? Like, it's hard to even imagine like Christian conservatives being like Beavis and Butthead is 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 somehow immoral. Like it's literally just stupid fart jokes. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's so much worse shit. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why were they ever mad? I don't. I mean, it's why? Why are they ever mad at anything? They're <laughs> <laughs> well. I guess I mean like. It's there culture is, war shit. It's just like you need something. Yeah, but there's as like just actual, chum for the idiots, you know. But there's like actual leftist or like politically motivated stuff, especially now. Mm-hmm. Like, but even back then, like you could have looked at a show that was like more like progressive or, or you know, or, like I get why they were mad at like Will and Grace, you know, mm-hmm. or Ellen Show, you know, like okay, culture war, like they don't like gay people or they don't like uh, you know communism or. Some yeah. sort of political anything, but like he was about it is just about kids being stupid. <laughs> yeah, but this is where this is where cultural conservatives tip their hand as to what they're actually doing because mm-hmm. when they're talking about gay people, they're like what they're framing it as is like this is immoral as per the rules of our religious background that we all share, you mm-hmm. know, and that's why we're mad. Wink, wink. But what mm-hmm. really is happening is they're just playing to people's like visceral gut reaction towards gay people and their visceral feeling that they're like i find them annoying and i find (laughs) them gross and when i see two men kiss it makes me feel bad you know and that's really what they're playing to and 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 with beavis and butthead what they're playing to is is old people seeing young people and being like they're dumb they're not like us (laughs) we used to tie sweaters around our necks these kids they just skateboard and break their wrists you know (laughs) and and so that's kind of like when when you see them lined up like that it's it's much easier to see what cultural conservatism is really playing to you know i have to be really careful it's funny because i've started to become old enough to start being like having a visceral reaction towards young people Mm -hmm. um where i like see kids do things and i'm just like are you fucking stupid like (laughs) and i'm like you know what it's not a big deal do whatever you want (laughs) this quarantine is really bringing it out of me because my next door neighbors are like in their early 20s or something and Uh clearly they all are you know not working right now and so they're just like partying in their backyard all the time and it seems like it's a blast. It seems really fun. I yeah. still have to work all day. <laughs> and so oh, like no. I'm constantly hearing people like laughing and having fun in the back here. It's not like they're like blasting music or anything obnoxious. They just sound like they're having fun and I'm in here not having fun. <laughs> and so I'm just constantly furious at them, like looking out the window, just like, you fucking assholes. You better stop having fun down there. <laughs> And I have to constantly remind myself, like, I'm not actually mad at anything they're doing. I just wish I wasn't working. Right. <laughs> well, let's talk more about the things that uh, annoy me about the Zoomers uh, on the bonus episode. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> right now we got to talk, talk about Blowout. Hell yeah. Uh, Blowout is a movie by Brian De Palma. Uh, starring uh, John Travolta and John Lithgow and probably other Johns. Um, <laughs> and uh, this movie is about a sound designer who works for a shitty sort of hammer horror style 
um, where are they? Pennsylvania? They, yeah, they're yeah, in they're Philadelphia. In Philly. Some like shitty Philly horror movie company that he works at. While he's out trying to get um, sounds for this movie, uh, he's just trying to get like good wind sounds, good, you know, owl sounds, creepy, spooky horror shit. He's just out on a bridge hanging out in a park or whatever. He witnesses a car crash um, and he, uh, you know, like a good citizen, puts down his shit and runs and tries to help. Uh, he jumps in the river, saves one of the women saves the woman who was inside it but the other the guy who was in there dies when he gets to the hospital he sort of starts learning that what happened was is that the governor who was going to probably win the yeah there's a like, governor who's running for president right. and he's polling against the incumbent ahead of the incumbent president right and uh he was probably gonna win and he died in that crash and he saved a woman who no one knows who that is um so he's sort of realizing that he got involved in something he didn't mean to be re- involved in. He's listening to the recording that he took of the crash, and he realizes that there was a gunshot, af- like right before someone shot the tire out. He realized you can hear a gunshot, and then the pop of the tire, what they, they, they keep referring to as the blowout. Mm-hmm. You hear the gunshot, and then the blowout, and then the crash. And so he basically realizes he has proof that this the, the political candidate was killed, Um and he's trying to figure out why this woman was was there. Turns out she... We're getting into spoiler territory. Yeah. <laughs> After that, it's all spoilers. Um, <laughs> and then I guess we'll just say it, because we always recap the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever. Okay. It's, uh, so, well, the thing is, like, yeah, the movie doesn't, like... It doesn't really work the same way as other, like, mystery movies do. <laughs> like, I don't think that yeah. your your enjoyment of this movie will not be enhanced by not knowing who That's true. did it. Because it's not a whodunit. It's just a it different thing. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, because the guy yeah, is so, barely a character before you find out he did it. <laughs> right. So you find out who did it, and it's some random guy who is played by John Lithgow. Um, she... I mean, what's fun about the movies on is the unraveling of what happened. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, this is what happened, um, and then so you find out that she was actually involved in a plot uh, with a guy who also happened to be there, um, who you see very briefly when he's diving into the river, and yeah. I didn't notice until I watched it like a until I watched it this time. But he's mm-hmm. in the shot. But he was there shooting film of the uh of these people um she was sort of uh yeah the plot was that they were gonna like he was supposed to take a picture of the two of them in the car together so that they could blackmail the governor and be like he's having an affair with this prostitute exactly Um, and Um, and, but he like tries to play it off like i was just there filming the river um and (laughs) everyone's like that checks out to me (laughs) he was just filming the river and he happened to get a glimpse of this car crash Right, and she's not a prostitute exactly. She seems to be some sort of. She's like you. I didn't. I don't remember what she said. She eventually does, but she is just a woman who was kind of hard on her luck and knew this photographer guy. Yeah, but they've done this to, to do, other people. Yeah, so she's like a scam artist, um, mostly, and she's also interested in makeup. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, John Travolta is trying to like get her to explain to him what was happening. He's trying to solve this case. He starts getting obsessed with it. Um, he, he basically f- f- gets her to get him 
the footage of the night he puts together a little movie with his sound effects and his his film um of the shot and basically proving that um uh someone was hired to kill him he's trying to get that the newspaper the guy who was hired to kill him seems to be going rogue <laughs> some yeah, shadowy he's like, political he doesn't origin. give a shit about the the scheme anymore now right. he's and just and he just so he's he's hatched a plot, uh, John Lithgow. He's hatched a plot as like a kind of like a B plot at this point. Um, <laughs> well, basically, to how to cover murder a tracks. bunch of women who look like the scam artist woman um, in order to cover his tracks, uh, so that you know they'd be like, "Oh, this woman didn't die for any political reason; she died because she looked like these other women." Right. He, there's he's basically and he's, like, carving trying to Liberty make it- bells into them, and that's like part of it for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's it's, he's trying to make it like seem like there's a weird serial killer on the loose who is killing you know women of the night who look like this have a p- specific thing, um, but he's not. He's really just trying to cover up his role in the political uh, assassination. Mm-hmm. And then uh, basically, in their last attempt to try and get the footage to the news organization. Um, it turns out that uh, John Lithgow has been like tapping his phone and tries, he pretends to be one of the news guys and, and uh, takes it from them and, and basically ends up killing the woman in the process. Yeah. So in the end, he, uh, he kills John Travolta or John Travolta no. kills him. <laughs> um, yeah. John Travolta kills John Lithgow. And then um, the scheme is kind of over and, um, uh, we cut to the end is uh, John Travolta is back uh, in the movie studio now fully black pilled and uh, <laughs> just a nihilist just crying. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's he the did end of the get movie. this. He, he got he finally got the sound he needed, which was a scream. Yeah. The beginning of the movie is like uh, his producers like you need a good scream for this part where the woman mm-hmm. doesn't scream good. And then the end is he uses the recording of this woman screaming when she really dies. <laughs> Yeah, which I don't think he would have done. Um, I'm sure he could have just hired a woman and got a good scream, but that's what happens at the end. And then, uh, so yeah. Uh, So I saw this movie, uh, let's see, I don't know, when I I went on a De Palma kick in in like Mm -hmm. maybe seven years ago. (laughs) I was just like, I'm going to watch all the De Palma movies. And the reason was is because I realized I I saw uh, Phantom of the Paradise have you ever seen that movie? No. I don't know it's that I've in- seen any De Palma movies. Uh, you probably have. You've probably seen Mission Impossible 1, right? Yes, I have seen Mission Impossible yes, 1. Yes, you have. Uh, <laughs> um, and that movie... Very good read that that was the one I've seen. <laughs> well, it's funny because I think people forget how nuts that movie is. Yeah, like, there's Emilio tons Estevez. Of, like, yeah, but there's he tons gets, of like... He gets like crushed in the elevator. Yeah, you can like see that... Right in his face. But, like, there's tons of Dutch angles and, like, split screen stuff. And, like, you kind of forget about how weird that movie is until you watch Mm -hmm. it now. And then it's like, oh, Brian De Palma was still going crazy in this movie. (laughs) Um, But I I watched a movie called um, Phantom of the Paradise. And um, that movie is basically, like, Phantom of the Opera, but about, like, um, an evil record corporation called Death Records run by Paul Williams who wrote all the Muppet Christmas Carol movies uh-huh. um, and he like gets half dead and wears like a, a metal mask and he has like metal teeth 
It's like very interesting. Huh? Not Jax. Uh, Kano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He From or he looks Mortal like Kombat, Jaws, yeah. really. Well, Marilyn Manson basically stole that guy's whole look <laughs> and uh, credited that movie for for a specific look for 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 uh, one of his albums. But um, it looks crazy, and it's a really weird movie and very fun, and I highly recommend it. Um, but I saw that movie, I was like, "Who is this Brian De Palma guy?" And I was like, "Oh, he also did the Mission Impossible movie that I've seen." And uh, I was like, I got to see more of his movies. So I watched, you know, Sisters and The Fury. And um, he did Scarface, right? He did Scarface, which yeah. I still haven't seen. Actually, yeah, I haven't seen it. Um, but very minimal did... appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But he's done a lot of interesting sort of uh, like gimmicky movies. Like he did Snake Eyes. Oh yeah, I've seen Snake Nick Eyes Cage movie where it's yeah. like a all within like the span of the movie time or it's like all an hour it's like a two-hour movie and it's all within that in real time and stuff in real time yeah uh so he's just like a weird he's a weird filmmaker who does very strange things um Mm -hmm. and this one i think is a good example um and i just thought this this is a very fun movie when i saw it i thought it was uh really special in how it looks there's a lot yeah. of cool stuff in it and uh yeah wanted to see what you thought about it yeah so i'm kind of um i'm 50 50 on this movie right now okay i feel like it's it's fun it's got a lot of it's got a fun story like the the political assassination is is a fun angle for this type of tale um i also think john travolta is great in it yeah I think he's great in general. I'm a big John Travolta uh, apologist. <laughs> um, I think he gets a really tough rap, and he always has. Uh, even as you know, probably even at this point, he was probably seen as kind of like a bullshit casting choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, because like he was how such he a everything. Because he was such a tart throb. He was like he's basically like if Donny Osmond, like somehow finagled into a serious acting career. Yeah, uh, like he was sort like, of because on- Donny Osmond, I feel like, was kind of a bitch, and um, John Travolta <laughs> was like more of a uh, like a macho man. Yeah, yeah. Because it was I mean, 1981, so he probably was only just finished with um, Welcome Back, Cotter. Right. Um, That's what I mean. He's like a heartthrob. He was. A, I mean, he was definitely like the bad boy one, but he was still like for kids. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> yeah, he, exactly. He was. He was a teen girl, and like all of those guys generally get a bad rap. I'm Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Devin Sawa, like even the ones from my childhood, like very few of them get taken seriously afterwards. Yeah, it's very rare. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio is, I think, basically the only one who like really made it out. Yeah. And I mean, probably Timberlake, but even Timberlake, like when he did Alpha Dog, everyone was like, fuck you. You can't yeah. be a real actor. It's true. It takes a lot. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I think it's... it. <laughs> I have like two major issues with the movie that I think kind of killed it for me. One (laughs) is that I think that the way that it unfolds kind of something that I was talking about earlier in like why it doesn't matter if you're spoiled on this is because I think that it doesn't, it, it, it doesn't do the things that you want this type of movie to do in terms of like laying out breadcrumbs so that you could solve it first. Mm. A mystery movie is fun when you're able to solve it or even on like repeat viewing, if you can like watch it again and solve it, you know, like you have to be able to do it yourself. Otherwise it's no fun. 
And this is kind of no fun because you only meet John Lithgow halfway through the movie. Right. He's not a character. And it's not like there's there's not like clues that anybody's really picking up. You already know everything you need to know. And I don't know. It just like it kind of saps a lot of the energy out of this type of movie when you already know that it's it's a murder the moment it happens because you see you see it happen. You hear the gunshot very distinctly right away. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, before John Travolta does that, there is a gunshot Mm -hmm. and you only noticed it this time that the guy runs away. I noticed it immediately. I saw the guy on the bridge and then they do a they do a shot reverse shot where like you see him, then John Travolta jumps in the water and then they cut back to dry land for absolutely no reason except Mm -hmm. to show this guy run away. (laughs) Oh yeah. And so I was like, Oh, well that's going to be important. (laughs) Somebody was there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so even before anything happens, you already know this is like, this is no good. Uh, the bullet, you know, the, the gunshot I even thought was going to be more significant than it was because, John Lithgow shot out the guy's tire, but I thought it was going to be that it shot him in the head because when John Travolta's in the water, he you seems see blood dead, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> seems real dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing that really sank this movie for me, and I'm very curious about your opinion on this, I think, so Travolta, Lithgow, great job. Everybody mm-hmm. else in this movie, horrific <laughs> actor, and like, and, and it gets like worse the smaller the role gets to the point where I think it's some of the most noticeably bad background acting I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's wow, really okay. rare that you even notice this kind of thing. Like, it only really stuck out to me because of how poorly everybody acts in the background. <laughs> Like there's a scene where Travolta's like driving his his Jeep through the uh parade. Yeah. Um which by the way is ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. It's a very fun sequence, but very annoying <laughs> that like afterwards nobody's like, Oh, and by the way, you have to like pay some sort of price for <laughs> driving your Jeep through a parade. <laughs> oh yeah. It just kinda goes It just goes it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. hurt anybody. He gets fucked up and then he's just like Oh hey, I better go keep following that guy. <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody follows up on that. But yeah. uh but during that sequence there's a scene where he's like doing a little circle in an intersection and there's all these cops there and every one of them is like doing this weird pose where they're like kind of like bent knee with like their hand out as if to be like stop, halt, the police, don't drive <laughs> through me. <laughs> Uh, there's another scene. It's all cops doing bad acting, really, because there's oh. another scene where you're at the parade, uh, the fireworks are happening, and the cops are like clearing out the boardwalk or something like that. And there's a cop chasing off a homeless guy, and he's like wagging his finger at him like he's in a Beastie <laughs> Boys video. <laughs> oh, it's like all pantomiming, is what yeah, you're saying. It's really okay. ridiculous. <laughs> it's like over the top background acting. Interesting. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. It, it's yeah, I don't, I couldn't, I don't think I really noticed anything. Uh, so the main three characters, I guess, is just Nancy Allen who plays Sally mm-hmm. and Travolta, and I think she is very interesting as an actor. Um, she's so believably ditzy. Yes. Like, You've met people that are this ditzy, she's but you don't really beyond get to talk. ditzy. I mean, she's like fully <laughs> like, like 
I've the heard movie before- stretches how ditzy you could be, like yeah. especially when once she meets John Lithgow and he she's like thinks he's the news reporter. There's a moment. There's like multiple moments where you're like, surely she's going to realize something is wrong. Like, yeah. she's been around rough men. She literally almost gets raped in this movie. Oh, yeah, like two scenes before. <laughs> yeah, there's so, no way that she's like walking down a subway platform with John Lithgow, who keeps being like, "Stop looking back at me. Just yeah. uh, walk one pace ahead of me. Just arm's length." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very insane. And yeah. that, by that point, it's like what. Who, how stupid is this woman supposed to be? But yeah, for most like, of the um, movie, I think she's fine. I think she's she's fun and good. And she seems like, especially when they're like talking in the restaurant about makeup and stuff. And she's like, mm-hmm. do you want to know? Like, are you interested? Like, I, I don't She seems I think she's lovable. very talented. And I think her, her acting of the role is very good. I think without knowing any of De Palma's other movies, I do know that he has a bit of a reputation in terms of writing women. Okay. Like that's something that I've heard about De Palma without having seen De Palma movies is that De Palma has a bit of a reputation for writing idiot women. <laughs> I guess I didn't know that. Women kind of being like he doesn't seem to respect women very much. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing this like with that in mind I was immediately like Oh, yeah, no, this guy <laughs> does not like women at all. Every woman in this movie is a complete idiot. <laughs> right. Uh, well, he did do uh, Carrie, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie's got a, some pretty multidimensional women. I don't know anything about his personal life, but he was married to this woman, Nancy Allen, at the time. Oh, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine like so, having to go home from work every day and be like, honey, I think that um, you're making me an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah can i could i maybe not have better lines where i'm not so stupid <laughs> yeah <laughs> she reads the scene where like the woman uh there's the woman giving the blowjob in the in the phone booth and she's like brian what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> what is this she's looking at the earlies of it and she's seeing like the door slamming just like is this what you think it looks like <laughs> <laughs> You've had blowjobs before. I know. I was there. What do you think? Um, Yeah. So uh, there is uh, some weird stuff in the movie. But I think, and I do remember, like, the first time I saw it, I remember being like, this is like the conversation if the conversation was wacky. (laughs) I've never seen Um, the conversation. Oh, you've never seen the conversation? Mm -mm. It's uh, Francis Ford Coppola's best movie, I think. Um, My personal favorite. Um, mm-hmm. it's about Gina Hackman who is also like a spy he's like a sound listening spy um, and it's really good so that movie is about paranoia and that mm-hmm. movie is about like sort of distancing yourself socially to the point where you don't trust anybody um, and then just like being completely isolated and alone because of how paranoid you are and uh, sort of sinking slowly sinking into this deep fear of everything and it letting it take over your life. And this movie is sort of about not that it's sort of about really trusting in every system that exists, just being sort of a normal guy who's just like, has like decent morality who thinks that like, well, something bad happened. Everyone will want to know. And then just like every place you turn realizing that everyone has like something to, 
to hide and something to gain. Yeah, they have gain. some vested interest in this not being. Right, the cops, the media, the other, like, um, the hospital, the, uh, the, the political team, mm-hmm. the campaign, like, everybody doesn't want this to come out. Yeah. Even he's like, he, and there, he says multiple times, he's like, well, it, it's just the truth. Like, don't, wouldn't, don't you want to know what actually happened? And people are yeah, like, Yeah, and literally no. people are just like, no, not at all. No. <laughs> actually, I've never thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? I, one of my favorite moments power. in the whole movie is... Um, when he's talking to a policeman and he's got the tape that he brings to him and he's like look you can listen to this tape and you'll hear there's a bullet and then a screech like that's a bullet there's nothing else that that sounds like it's a fucking bullet and the cop confronts him about he has some background in making like there's some kind of fleshed out kind of not thing about him in the past where he um he's um like doing wiring for the cops and I don't remember exactly what it is, but he like ends up getting somebody killed or something like that. So the scene is in the, there's a scene where he's talking to uh, the girl, Nancy. Uh, I don't remember her character's name, but um, she, and he basically admits that he was wiring a cop to go undercover with some mafia guys. And uh, he fucked up and the, didn't like wrap the, the thing like whatever the receiver properly on his chest and uh he sweated and then like the battery started like shorting and then like burning him yeah. so he he was basically like freaking out because he couldn't keep his cover because he was like in deep pain because his wire was burning him and then he like demands to the cop demands to you know go to the bathroom he's like please pull over i have to go to the bathroom so bad and then he runs to the bathroom and the mafia follows him and sees that he had a wire on and 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 kills him so he because of his mistake of not realizing that he could sweat and his his shit was malfunctioning or whatever he he got a cop killed and so the cops don't trust him now yeah because because of that one thing yeah and there's just like this one simple line that's there where he's like what he's just like you got a lot of good cops you got like a good cop killed or something like that it's like they don't like drag it up too much they don't talk about it too much and it's like a bit further away from when that story is told so you've kind of forgotten about it for a second and like that's really good there's like a lot of really good stuff in the movie i just think like overall (laughs) a lot of this stuff just kind of i don't know i think the best part of the movie for me of the whole movie is the movie within the movie the little slasher movie at the beginning. <laughs> oh yeah. Is so the much fun. And you starts. can so you can tell so much that De Palma loves making this. Yeah. A dumb like point of view camera slasher movie where he's just yeah. like looking through windows at like half naked ladies. Yeah, and into then like, like a, a college where like everybody's fucking yeah, everyone's a hot girl who's blowing each other or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then a naked lady who's taking a shower and then getting stabbed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, for, well, for me, I think the reason I like this movie so much is two reasons. The big reason is I think it's incredible looking. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of the coolest looking movies. There are term- a lot of very cool shots, yes. Yeah. He, like... Brian De Palma figured out what a split diopter was and they're just like, I'm going to use it in every scene. How about that? (laughs) And it's like, there's tons of it. Like, I feel like there's at least like 12 shots where something is 
really foregrounded and usually in profile and then something on the other side of the screen is also like perfectly in focus but it's far away and like he loves it and he does it all the time in this movie and i think it looks great Um, there's the um is it an owl owl? yeah Yeah. they do like um the scene when he's when he's he's at the uh, river doing the sound design and he sees the crash they do like a night of the hunter thing where like you see like an owl in the foreground and what's happening in the background but it's like all in focus yeah, uh, and it looks like it's somehow CG or, but it's, I think it's all split diopter, but um, it looks so cool. And so there's I think also that, a lot of cool, like long shots of John Travolta just like doing work. That's yeah. really cool. Like he's just like working on sound shit for like a really long time. <laughs> and it's kind <laughs> of like in a cool way though, where yeah, like you, you really kind of don't watch. Uh, mind that you just are watching. I mean, I'm I'm not even kidding you. It's like five minutes of John Travolta just like rewinding a tape to just hear the gunshot to try to sync it up to the film, and it's like wild. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a genius. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, no, that's the that's the stuff I like about this movie is that it it really is interested in making you know, sort of getting into sound and sort of the technical aspects of that stuff and just showing it really realistically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really realistic. I used some of that stuff when I worked in a, uh, a projection booth. Um, and it's so cool to see him just like be a master at it. Um, yeah. and a lot of the way that when they, when they, when he shoots, when you see the scene where he, uh, sees the car get shot, that whole scene is so fun. Cause you're like, he, the way they show sound and the the sound work in the movie is just like so fun to watch. Um, so the way it looks, love, love it. I love to look yeah. at it, especially at the very end. Um, when, uh, John Lithgow is attacking the girl and he's finally like, there's fireworks going off. Mm-hmm. And so you see, um, it's like slow motion, John Travolta running through like a crowd and, John Lithgow attacking the woman and like about to kill her. And he's got like a pit, like a, an ice pick raised above his head. And like at a certain point, the fireworks, the lighting is like all purple and red and blue and bright white. And it's like, <laughs> looks like fireworks. And then at a certain point it stops even trying to look at fireworks. And it's just like a strobe of different colored lights. Yeah, <laughs> It gets like more and more insane as like the, tension is rising i just think some of the filmmaking aspects of this movie are so fucking cool and yeah it doesn't even really matter if it like serves the movie exactly it's just like fun to watch uh and then the other thing i like about this movie is just it's a story about a guy who's like faith and systems is just completely destroyed yeah it's just about a guy like the you end said of the movie gets- like it's so sick the way that he's just like like when you hear that, like I don't know if it's supposed to be demented or not, but it really is that like because he he's like bugged the girl when she gets murdered, and so he has right. the tape of her getting murdered, and he's like, "Hey, why don't we put this in our movie?" <laughs> and then he's just sitting there in the back, just like smoking a cigarette as he like watches the film, and he's just like, "Yeah, it's a pretty good scream." Yeah, and you're like, that works. "Fuck, <laughs> what a miserable life." <laughs> Yeah, and I think it is because I think what it is kind of trying to do is be like the the terrible shit that is happening, like your power, like it is really about a black pill kind of movie where it's like people are doing shit and even if you have the like morality 
to stop it. Like no one is going to care and there's nothing you can do about it. And the only yeah. thing you can do is like exploit people's pain around it. <laughs> like it's kind of the message yeah. of the movie, which kind of comes out of nowhere. Cause you, you don't really realize how like existentially hopeless the movie thinks it is that he's doing this. Cause it, it's constantly being like, okay, he's going to do it. You, yeah. you, you really think the way the movie is shot and structured that, at, that he'll save her. And then they'll mm-hmm. get the tape to the news and then he'll save the day. Like, it really feels like that's going to happen until like 30 seconds before the movie's over. <laughs> like, right. it's like all of a sudden, oh, no, I guess none of that happened and she's just dead and he has to work still. Well, what's great <laughs> about it, too, is that it's like it's portraying a conspiracy the way that these things really tend to happen, which is right. to say that, like, it's not about people's nefarious intent as much as it's about their general indifference. Like there is an indifference that's caused by the fact that you are benefiting from one over the other, even if you don't realize it, like these cops are benefiting this political assassination. They don't realize that they're doing it. They're just doing it because they a are indifferent to his struggle and B don't like him because he hurt a cop once. Right. Because they're a gang. And And like like, every time they go, every time he goes to somebody for help, he's met with just like cold indifference. He's not met with people being like, why don't you stop pulling that thread? You know, it's always yeah. people just like, no, I don't. Why would I, I stick out my neck for you? I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the newscaster, like he has this hope of like getting the tape to the newscaster, but I had absolutely no faith that when he got him the tape, it was going to result in anything other than him being him doing the same thing that John Lithgow did. I expected fully for it to be that he got it to the guy and the guy's like, checkmate and burns it or whatever yeah or you don't even you know is he is he part of like the is the media also controlled like is he being paid off you don't even know because that guy is so sleazy like he's like hey man you know i know you i really want to get that out there so let me call you back and you never know that that whole thread is completely dropped you Mm -hmm. never know if that guy was honest or not (laughs) it doesn't it's just like just knowing from the world we exist in in real life no he Mm -hmm. was definitely going to kill that story (laughs) yeah exactly and or or he was going to get it and his boss was going to kill the story like and he was there was no way he was going to get it until the public stage um and i think and it's funny because the first time I watched this movie, I did have issues with it because I was like, well, we already know what's going to happen. And then he doesn't save the day. I was like, I had a real like, well, that's it kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. But this time I watched it knowing what happened. And I really was enjoying the the idea of a movie about a conspiracy where you, the audience, and the main character know for sure that it happened this way. Like it's mm-hmm. not a conspiracy theory. This is the truth. It's not a, you know, cause lots of movies about conspiracy theories are always like trying to get you to doubt the main character who like, no, no. It's like, well, is he crazy? Is he not crazy? Like there's right. never a moment in the movie where John Travolta is crazy. Like you're never thinking, Oh, well maybe he's wrong. He doubts himself a few times, but mm-hmm. like the audience always knows for absolutely <laughs> sure. This is what happened. A guy got hired to kill this governor and people were trying to make him look bad and he got killed. Um, and then so it's like, you're just like, well, why doesn't anyone believe him? And you just get more and more frustrated that no one is like, no one cares. And then 
he never gets it out because nobody cares and they kill his his girlfriend <laughs> right and I it's think sort of just like end is more realistically rough. i think that's my favorite part of the movie if anything is that like the like my favorite aspect of the movie is is that it ends like that like i think that it i was worried that it was going to be a movie where like he gets it to the news and then like it's the end of the movie is like god oh, the whole house of cards it tumbled you know but right. it I'm I'm glad that it was just like no everybody who even knew that this was ha- like <laughs> there's there's no there's no threat anymore the the yeah. tape's gone the guy who did it is dead that's it <laughs> everyone gets away with it <laughs> that's it that's all well no nobody gets away with it because the, I mean the guy died and like <laughs> well yeah but he was always a a, a pawn too like well, that he, guy was like a weird rogue who like they hired to shoot the the thing and like the guy on the phone is telling him like okay don't do any of that and he's like too bad yeah well <laughs> that's the like, thing too okay. is it's like it's got a real um like burn after reading sort of quality to it yeah. too where it's like <laughs> it's kind of this thing that's out of control from anybody because john lithgow is just like a psycho who <laughs> just wants to like do the liberty bell thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, which is such an interesting thing to put in this movie because it's like that i so m- would love to see that explored like the idea of like someone I mean, Burn After Reading does a really good job, and so does Fargo, actually, now that that I think about it. But the idea of, like, uh, just a guy, you know, trying a serious organization that is like, well, we have to kill John F. Kennedy. And then it's like, well, what kind of psycho are you going to get who's just going to kill somebody and not, like, ever talk about it? Like, who could you even trust, and what kind of person would that be? And the answer is this nutcase. (laughs) This fucking weirdo. <laughs> yeah, because he tries to play it off like he's like, I'm just covering for myself by killing all these women who look like her. But yeah. you can tell from watching him do it that he loves doing it. Oh, he's yeah. got a special little watch. He's got a special <laughs> little murder watch. He loves doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's having a great time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We're a little over time. We yeah. kind of went a bit long on the on the Kevin Smith thing, but <laughs> sorry, I um, w- would you you'd recommend the movie? Uh, yeah, I I would recommend it. I mean, I think it's I think it's a very different kind of movie. I don't think it does anything that it that you expect it to do because I I think you're totally right. Like if you come into the movie thinking like, okay, a cool murder mystery, like it is not that. It's not trying to be that, mm-hmm. or it is and fails, but it fails very interestingly. Yeah. Um. I can't really tell because Brian De Palma is a weirdo. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's something very different. It's not like, cause a lot of the fun seventies movies, conversation, parallax view, a lot, there's like Manchurian Canada. Like, there's tons of movies like this that are really fun and good that you should watch. But this one is very weird and yeah. has a lot of other stuff. It's interesting interested in so if you want to watch a movie that looks super cool and has you know a really good john travolta performance and has a very sad very despondent uh idea about conspiracy theories yeah check it out yeah i think i'm gonna say i don't recommend this okay um i think this might be the f- <laughs> no this isn't the first I was going to say this might be the first movie I'm not recommending from our show, but that's not true at all. No, we've both definitely uh, not recommended stuff. But it might be the first one that you've recommended that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's an interesting idea that I think maybe was too many ideas at once. 
okay. is kind of part of the problem for me. I think that it's it's a murder mystery, but it's not a murder mystery. It's a political intrigue, but it's not a political intrigue. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it has all these things that it's trying to put into it that just never go anywhere. There's like a romance between Travolta and what's her name, but also never goes anywhere. Doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, like the the yeah. news anchor never really goes anywhere. Like a lot of the stuff. Like sure, I get that it like ends abruptly for a reason because of the like. Like, it's meant to be, like, nihilistic and sad. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but just in terms of, like, what makes a satisfying movie, I think that it just picks up too many balls at once and just can't really do anything with them. Um, yeah, I think I think the reason you dislike it is kind of the reason I like it. Like, it mm-hmm. might be, like, it just because it's so odd. It's weird. It's really it weird. A, it's, it's a weird movie that... It does a bunch of different stuff. Not a, it's definitely not the best at anything, but it it's, yeah. a, it's an oddity. And I think that's I what like, it is. Yeah, it's jack of all trades, master of none. It's like yeah. it's trying to be a lot of different types of movie. And it's just like I think when I think of like a political conspiracy theory intrigue type of story, it's not being told from the perspective I want that type of story to be told from. Where sure. like it, you're seeing it from John Travolta's perspective and like the government conspiracy is this kind of like unseen force that's just bearing down on him constantly. (laughs) But you don't really ever get a sense of why like the governor was going to win, but like, who was he? What did he stand for? You know, like, yeah, was he cleaning up corruption? And like, so the cops don't like him. Like, where does this, like, all we really know is that he was a governor. He was going to win. He got killed. You and, really only know what John Travolta knows, who's not a political guy. He's not yeah. even, like, a particularly, like, involved person. Yeah. He just, like, wants to sell people the truth of what happened, and no one wants that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't even I, think he's, like, a truth warrior type. Like, he doesn't even no. seem like he, like, morally has that big of a stake in the concept of the truth as much as it's like, I saw this. I yeah. I have to have this so you do. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't like feeling to be like he's made to be insane because right. everyone's just like, shut up. No one cares. He's like, what? Murder is illegal. <laughs> he's yeah. like a kind of a a, a naive person. Uh, and I almost I think feel like uh, his character, like if somebody had just been like nice to him at the beginning when he saved the woman, like this all would have been avoided anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a lot of this was just him out of spite because everyone was mean to him when he came in. <laughs> kind of. Um, uh, so yeah, I think it's. A, I think for a lot of the reasons you dislike it, I find yeah. it very interesting, and I think. But I do think the, the the biggest thing that I would say I don't recommend it for the is the background <laughs> acting, right? Horrendous Which I background notice. acting. Everybody who is a background actor on this, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I get it. It's Philadelphia. It's a small market. Maybe your casting call like isn't going that wide. You're only working <laughs> with a shallow pool. Come on, <laughs> you got to get some people who aren't just fucking wagging fingers. At me. <laughs> man i can't wait to watch this movie again just for that just to watch these just watch people background in the background. actors yeah <laughs> that seems really strange i've never noticed it <laughs> all right well that's the movie that's the show thanks so much for listening to generation loss we've gone long hope you're enjoying that uh <laughs> hope hope this is enough content for you uh <laughs> 
follow us on Twitter at generate or Gen Lost Pod. Uh, follow me, Kinematography, Jeremy at Jeremy Thunder. Uh, go to our Patreon if you'd like to hear us talk about, uh, I don't know, what we're going to talk Kevin Spacey and shit. <laughs> yeah, this uh, week we'll have talked about um, uh, Trolls World Tour. We're going to talk about uh, <laughs> who... <laughs> Who would play our friends in movies? <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're gonna do a bit where we're gonna we're gonna uh, dreamcast uh, the the movie about the Brooklyn leftist podcaster scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be fun. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk about a bunch of other shit. So uh, if you want to do that, go to patreoncom slash loss uh, and you can get more stuff there. Uh, and then you could listen to my other show, BP Bledis. You can listen to my new album called Viewing. It's by my band Stay Inside. It's very um, good. Thank you, Jeremy. And you can watch Jeremy's sh- or listen to Jeremy's show, Balling Out Super. Um, I think that's, that's it. All. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks bye. for listening. Bye. At midnight last Friday, Senator Edward M. Kennedy drove a car off a narrow bridge and into a pond on Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. A young woman in the car with him was drowned. Kennedy survived but failed to report the accident until 10 hours later. Today, police moved to prosecute the senator on a charge of leaving the scene of an accident after causing bodily harm. So far, the tragedy on Martha's Vineyard has raised more questions than have been answered, but the questions are muted by compassion for the last male member in this generation of a family that is at once the luckiest and unluckiest in the nation. ABC's National Affairs editor, Bill Lawrence, has a comment. Before the young blonde was killed, many politicians, including Republicans, looked on Senator Kennedy as a shoe-in for the Democratic presidential nomination against President Nixon's bid for re-election in 1972, or perhaps four years later. Now these same politicians privately are asking a lot of questions, and there's no doubt that the tragedy has injured Senator Kennedy politically. Democrats who pin their hopes on Kennedy hope the trouble will recede in the public memory long before the next election. Otherwise, it means trouble. No one now will criticize Senator Kennedy publicly, preferring to give him more time to answer the questions they feel still must be answered about the fatal mishap and his failure to summon help or to report it to the police for many hours. One Nixon administration supporter said there are discrepancies in the senator's story that need clearing up. How did he get back to his hotel in Edgartown if he missed the last ferry boat? One pro-Kennedy Democrat sadly said, I'm afraid that Teddy panicked under pressure, and that's really unforgivable. Another politician raised the question of whether the senator had been drinking. Many, of course, already sympathize with the senator who assumed the Kennedy political mention after his three elder brothers were cut down by violent death.